Pins. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my co-host and gigantic chumbler, Alex Dandino. <laughs> All right, guys, before today's movie, a little business. Uh, please take a second right now, right now, you never know when it's all over, to leave us a rating and review, especially if that happens to be on Apple Podcast app, guys. A quick five star, a quick sentence or two about why you enjoy the show helps us defeat the algorithm overlords. So uh, thank you for everyone who's been doing that. We do appreciate it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, over on YouTube. You can see video versions of these talks and uh, we're always working on new stuff over there, new ideas. So uh, stay tuned. If you want to see our beautiful faces and not just hear our radio communiques, that's where you do that. Find us on all the social media you're on. We're there, too, and we would love to uh, interact with you. So follow whatever, subscribe, likes, all that good stuff. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com with your ideas of movies you'd like to see covered. New, old, Double features, themes, uh, guest hosts, any of that stuff, guys. We want to talk about the movies you want to hear about. So uh, get at us over there. Again, we've had some good ones, so thank you guys for the emails. All right. Uh, the pod's goal this year, we're going to cover some more new movies and get some more guest hosts. So we're working on both of those. Today, a new film that I recently discovered and absolutely fell madly in love with, uh, Love and Monsters. So I hit Alex up and I was like, this might be the most just pure joy I've had watching a movie in quite a while. I actually, uh, I got the movie. I rented it from my local library. We uh, actually have an awesome library. We get new movies all the time. So I went in and I got this and Relic, right? And Relic Great is like feature. very dark, very somber, right? Uh, very cynical. I was like, that's my kind of jam. So I watched that. It was late. I had to take them back the next day. I'm like, you? I can fucking yeah, yeah. I was like, I could skip loving monsters. I get it, you know, love monsters. Nah. And as I'm about to go to bed, I'm like, you're just gonna be up anyways. Watch the fucking movie so it doesn't bother you. It was a euphoric sensation. It immediately was not what I thought, and just completely swept me up. Like like really good movies can do. I I was just floating on a cloud of joy watching this film. It has a uh, style it's fun it has awesome fucking monsters uh i just i can't say enough good things about this movie alex what was your initial experience watching love and monsters i mean i couldn't agree more honestly it's got all the things i love in movies love monsters michael rooker a faithful dog <laughs> michael rooker for sure a monster i love michael rooker <laughs> faithful dogs i mean this is a movie that just Dude. It hits all the notes man it's it's great. And honestly, like, I'm not sure you could ask for a better movie that and I'm sure you best for ask for a better post-apocalypse movie that doesn't like that drives the point home, but doesn't necessarily make you feel like, well, that's like, what, five years off. Great. Thanks for that. Like, it is really um, <laughs> like it's not contagion post-apocalypse. It's uh, much more entertaining than that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great send up of the genre it's uh it's got a good feels it's got all the vibes that you look for in these kinds of movies well it's it's very strange too because i was i was watching it i was like i don't know that i've ever seen a kind of clear eyes full heart 
the apocalypse can just be okay movie, right? It's the most yeah. optimistic apocalypse I've ever sat through. Yeah. And essentially this this the apocalypse movie that kind of does all the zags, right? Uh, you know, holding on to those things from the past are good for us, you know? Uh he meets other survivors along the way and it's not a bloody fight. They're going to steal my pack. It's just people being decent and mm-hmm. kind to each other and how those little things that we assume will immediately right i think we all have a lord of the flies view of the apocalypse i know i certainly do because i'm a cynical person where i'm like oh as soon as it starts up right it's all hell breaks it's kind of the thing that becomes exhausting about like a show like walking dead you're like i get it humans are the worst monsters yeah enough i don't need this anymore right you read the news you watch uh all the other apocalypse movies like i get it we're our own worst enemies we're horrible and this one i love the the going away from that right um one of the things that immediately just strikes you is i love the world they build right away in the bunker yeah and it it seems like a small thing because this movie's littered with amazing world building throughout but i think right away they they show you the bunker and you just start seeing the things that people care about right away right the way they lay their food out the way they take care of the cow they put like some uh lays right the flower necklaces on the mavis robot he interacts Mm -hmm. with the mavis period and so while he's laying this sad story about a world that was destroyed mutated bugs uh you know he's the only one who doesn't have a soulmate this and that what you're actually seeing is just a constant visual reinforcement of these little kind of extra things that we do as humans that show that these little totems like even lays around that robot are the kind of things that help get us through the day. So right off the bat, you're like, this is a different kind of apocalypse film. Right. Well, I like that. Yeah. This movie is like the very beginning of this movie is about just getting through the day. I like that kind of stuff. Like there's that Edgar, Wright Just getting through the day kind of thing from Shaun of the dead, which is just showing the humdrum. What I like about this is this is much more about like, you have to like all of us go through some form of this. We all have to survive our day. Like some way, some somehow, something will impact you in the wrong direction, whether that's for the whole day, or brief moment in time, who knows? But I like that this movie <laughs> kind of addresses the fact like everything sucks, but we're making the most of it. And I like that it's not harping on the fact that everything sucks because I don't want to live. I don't want to have to live in that world for. Well, how long is it been? like two hours long? I don't want to live in that world for two hours. Like I know everything sucks. It seems like everything sucks because you're living in a bunker underground. What I like is that it's taking everything that sucks and says, this was not great, but you know, we're figuring it out. Like that. I, I don't know why, but that <laughs> fucking bit about him being like, he's like, I'm the chef and people love my minestrone. I'm like, that is really funny. That is like, you know, that to me is a, that's a nice little detail. You're like, wow, of course there need to be a guy who's good at cooking. Yeah. And it works because not only is it a funny little beep, you're like, imagine the other survivors when you're like, oh, it's Minestrone Day. Right. And they're like, they have to go out and fight off these giant cockroaches or whatever. But they're like, when I get home, Minestrone. And you're like, that is such a perfect way to think about how we all live our lives. Uh, It's, I think that's the thing too, right? Because I think the post-apocalypse zag is kind of, it's well-worn territory, right? Where everyone's like, it's the road. It's man and boy. Yeah. We got to fight for every inch. And everything's ashen and horrible. And, oh, we got to drink a drink of water today. That's our joy. Now sit and think about where humanity's going. You're like, I can't fix all that. Yeah. I can't do all that. But this movie, when Michael Rooker makes fun of him and he's like, have you ever heard of a fool's errand? 
And you're laughing. He's like, no, you're a fool because you're out here with nothing and this and that. You have no survival training. You have no hope. But you think you're like this noble knight. Right. <laughs> and I, I like that version of it, right? Because here's a kid, and we, we see in the brilliant opening, right, when they're fighting off the monster, it's breached their home. And they're like, you can't come with us. You freeze. Mm-hmm. And when we see him freeze, he's moments away from death, right? And he gets saved. And we know that something's wrong with him. He's extra afraid, right? But but just by finding this girl that he had this great summer with, right? And just talking to her. And, and the visual beat of it is awesome. Because it cuts back to he's found a girl he loves. He's physically alone. He's, the scene that I love, too, this is another one of those little world buildings, is the, the shrine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you think losing enough people, it gets easier. It absolutely doesn't. Right. And you just see them wrecked. And I think, again, that's another great distinction. Because, again, I come back to things like Walking Dead where they're like, we've all lost so much. And, like, they just start murdering people all the time, and they become amazing murderers. I like the idea that every time – like, this could be the thousandth person they've seen dead, and it still really hurts, and they stop and spend time on their emotions. So when they're at the table, we got to breach. They're doing the apocalypse shit. we got to fix our our bunker, this and that. And he sits there, and he just sees that girl who lost this man she loved that when everything fell apart – these people drift to each other because we need something that keeps us going. And he sees her without that. And in that moment, he recognizes himself and he's like, you know what? I, the man who freezes, I'm willing to put it on the line and walk, you know, 90 miles through this right. horror show. Right. We've seen this horrifying, awesome insect bug. And you're like, that's a small one. They're saying, yeah, and he's going to risk it being this giant pud just because he might have one more moment in the sun. Well, I love... And I thought that was fucking beautiful, man. Well, that's, like, the beat that I think I love the most about this movie is... Because, again, like you said, it's the zag. The zag in this movie, for the, from, like, tradition, is... He literally just stands and goes, oh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Like, it's not yeah. like I have to, like, go because I need to provide for people or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. Like, I love that he's literally leaving this, like, nest of near safety in some respects but like this nest of near safety because he just he wants to see her wants to see his girlfriend like there's one person that made him feel like life was worth living that's That's always a great that to me is one of those amazing zags in a movie of like Mm. epic proportions like this is all it is is like listen i just want to go 85 miles to see my girlfriend sorry like i i'm and he just he doesn't even have to explain especially after seven years yeah and he doesn't even have to explain it. Literally, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. And like the whole time, they don't like, stop this is a him. They don't idea. scream at him that he's a less than. They're not like, you're a fucking pussy. No, they'll they do it for like, like a second. And then at the end of the day, they're like, you know, right. hey, go do it. He's got something. Right. Right. Like, we're all probably going to die. He's well, got something. And that's it's lighting all him on up. that. It's all the woman who loses her boyfriend in the very beginning. It's all on her face, man. Like, she, whoever, I don't know yeah. who that actress is, but wow. Like, her. Her just face is unbelievable as far as, like, I I mean, I felt that. Well, I love the idea of in a world where we're just like, everything's a husk, right? A burnt Mm -hmm. husk. There's nothing. We're just eking out a a survival, right? Whether that's in The Matrix or anything, like any movie that shows that kind of a world, right? Mm -hmm. To then see someone still be able to find great love, period. And to feel that loss again, because it's it's hard to imagine. So I've lost my family, my children, my wife. 
and somehow to imagine finding happiness again. Because it it's it's the thing that I think we all take out in our apocalypse stories and you know, because Lord of the Flies is very compelling, right? What would you do if there were no rules and right. and how would other people behave and would you be tough enough and law of the jungle, right? Right. I think it takes out this very basic core thing, which is we're all fucking scared and alone and in the jungle every day in our minds, right? And right. you know, we're all just looking for that hug and that smile. And the movie reinforces, right? Like he's been writing this journal to Amy for the last seven years because that was the last person he had a hug, like a moment of true right. emotion with like that, right? We see his parents fleeing and they're like grabbing chandeliers and getting the fucking Yeah, the car. chandelier like, is like my you. favorite iconography of like that is not something you take with you. But it's like that perfect well, indicator of yeah. like these people are frivolous <laughs> assholes. But I, not even that. I think it makes sense. Like, you're just running around. It's like, what's something I love about this house? Yeah. Oh, that seeing the light reflect off that brought joy. And the way we think about things, right? Like, oh, we need this. And that people are packing their cars. It's like, if they had just gotten in their car an hour earlier, who knows if they're all still alive, right? Right. But that's the way I think what the movie gets to really well is we think it's all this stuff, right? These walls and safety or whatever. At the end of the day, it's just those people. The people that make you feel that way. And I think that's why he has this crystallized moment of he's lost so much and he sees that he's going to keep losing more. If he can have that moment again, right, with the woman he said he loved, that's worth it. And I I just think it's a really fun genesis to see because, I mean, as the movie progresses, like every scene you walk through, there's just beautiful little monster stuff in the background, Mm -hmm. egg sacks, hives, spiders on a mountain. So it's just lovely and it's there all the time. But then what you always get down to is, you know, so he's afraid he runs, a frog's getting it. And then we meet Boy. And mm-hmm. I was like, what I love about this movie is even the fucking dog has an emotionally resonant backstory. Yeah. The dog wants to save a human and he has his own little bus. And he, when the dog is holding the dress, oh. I was like, that is such a storytelling flex. So good. That they're like, even this fucking dog has a relatable moment that's going to make you cry. Like when he held the dress and you just knew he was alone, I'm just crying. I was yeah. like, fucking hell, not boy. He's such a good dog, obviously. Ugh. And as even the fucking dog is an emotionally sympathetic good creature. <laughs> I mean, it's again. He's like, not there to be eaten. He's there to to express that the, there is even I think more that's love the thing I, I think that's the thing I like the most about this movie is we don't have to grapple with any of the like well, I don't know. It's tough times. Like we don't have to do that. Like you were saying that like um, walking dead thing where you're like, man, people are awful, but like kind of have to rationalize it because things are terrible. So like, how do we like, I'm so happy. I was so relieved in this movie that literally everyone you come across, obviously the ending's different. Obviously you have to have something, but like, right. Every, but even then there was nothing about, there's just nothing about anybody that is ambiguous to me. Like you're either a good person or you're like, kind of a bad you're pretty much a bad person like yeah i liked that because the post-apocalypse obviously is going to be a little complicated so i like that the question is not whether or not everyone's a monster it's like there are monsters it's a matter of like how the it's a matter of how you operate in this world of monsters that's all that matters not how you are right. it's how are but you like, going to survive how do you survive when I rented this, this movie Sure. And when I rented this movie and I read that Michael Rooker was in it. Right. You're convinced, oh, Michael Rooker will be the monster, right? Because that's the, we're the, in zombie movies, we're the real monsters. Other humans are, 
And so, and then Michael Rooker shows up. Oh my and god! He's just this he's super so lovable guy. Like it's because this the scene that lays it out right. So him and Minnow they have their funny thing. They go out of their way to save this kid. Yeah. And there's no threatening. There's they make fun of him a little, but then they're just. He's like, hey, can I go with you? And Norman's like, you can't hack it. You're not man enough. Or we'll take your shit and leave. They're just like, yeah, come on. Yeah. And that's it. And then it's like, hey, we'll show you some stuff. And it's it's so awesome. And Michael Rooker, by the way, though, his his beats in this. Oh, because like when he has that moment, you're like, that's such a moment I didn't expect from Michael Rooker. Maybe the last time he got one was when he's like excited to be called Mary Poppins, right? In Guardians 2. Right. But when he sits there and he's like, hey, man, you're from Fairfield. Like, you're more of a survivor yes. than I thought. I was like, what just like an emotional razor blade that Michael Rooker's whipping I out? Was, and he I never wrote, turns. He never breaks. No. And I actually I wrote in my notes. I was like, I think the last time I saw Michael Rooker in like sympathetic dad role was that um, that movie with um, Lele Sobieski and Chris Klein called Here on Earth. Which, if you were, <laughs> I which just saw you, him yesterday in the sixth day. He's like corporate henchman who's funny, right? And I was like, like, "That's what you always expect." He's literally like the cop with a heart of gold in that movie, and I think that was the last yeah. time I saw him like with just like well-intentioned plotting, <laughs> like where he's like, "I'm not trying yeah. to be a dick. I just want to be a good friend and a good person." Like, oh my god! So like, and I like yeah. again, we've all spent how long now watching Michael Rooker in movies be like ambiguously bad or kind of good or just a dick it's so refreshing to get him to be like that character yeah well no there's a thing with michael rooker that once you see henry portrait of a serial killer <laughs> you'll yes. always be like there's a bit of that in there's there. something like, wrong with i don't ever fully bit. trust you all the way but this is like <laughs> fully redeemable it's weird like i totally forgot I that it was henry portrait of a serial killer for a little bit <laughs> Well, you're also like, well, maybe him and Minnow are just gathering a gang. They're going to go up and burn that village. We don't know. Stop. Like, there's Stop always now. a part. Because no, it's not the movie this is, but every time I see Michael Rooker, there is enough Henry. They are like, we're going to get that slow-moving camera of a mutilated body. Just watch. Like, every movie with him, that's just what I'm off, expecting. Just off screen is this, like, half-eaten body. Well, there are very few movies that so absolutely scar and wreck your brain like henry that yeah just, and that's what i mean the fact that this movie does that that's another flex they're like we know michael rooker's a lovable guy and we're gonna give that to you and you're not you're gonna expect the turn that he'll sacrifice the boy to save the girl because he cares about her right but no he's just a guy who's like yeah we all lost stuff man i'm sorry for your loss the minute oh. i met them i was like dude he's gonna die and the minnow's gonna end up with like Minnow's gonna end up with Joel, and I was that's right. Yeah, I was so you happy when that did someone's not gonna happen. die on the journey. There is that point when I'm like, they're gonna kill boy, and I was like, oh if they yeah, kill me this too. Fucking dog. I'm like, they got it. That oh. was like, this is like the, the refreshing thing about this movie is it followed none of the tropes that I am used to in these kinds of movies because yeah. I knew the minute he, fa I, th I thought the minute boy showed up and saved him from the frog, I'm like, and then when he barks and spooks the uh, spooks the monster, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the lesson that the, this is the lesson that Joel has to learn. Great, cool. This fucking dog's gonna I, have to die in front of all of us. The moment that dog had the dress, I was like, if they kill this motherfucking dog, I'm going full real apocalypse on whoever did this to me. <laughs> I was ready to burn down cities because I love that dog so fucking much, and it's. I mean, it's just I don't. It's it's hard to it's hard to find like the cracks where, I as I watch this movie, I was just. When you rent a movie like Love and Monsters, it's like, what else could you possibly fucking want from this film, man? 
the moments of him learning and growing with them. Like the one thing I think, cause this, you are expecting someone will die on the way. Right. And Joel will right. have to be like, is this worth it? Right. I don't know if this is worth it. Right. And they kind of pull that off, but in a, in a more interesting way. Right. Yeah, totally. When their paths diverge and they actually leave and boy chases after the girl and you know, he's lost a little girl. Mm hmm. There are these heart-wrenching moments. Like when Minnow's like, you know what? I lied. She will love you. You're great. <laughs> you're just like, – I'm getting choked up now. I'm thinking about it. But you're just like you expect that they'll come back and save him or he'll run to them. And they don't, man. They're just people that go their own ways, which is how it would probably be. Yeah. But they can still be decent, right? And then at the end, you're like, oh, Minnow and uh, you know Michael Rooker, they're going to come back and save him. They did it, man. They they had their own path. And yeah, they had just to found more thing. decent it's people. It's just passers-by. Like – I. Like, you know, my kid's been really into that Disney movie, Bolt. So when yeah. Bolt, and <laughs> Bolt looks exactly, Bolt's like a brown-haired version of Boy. Or, like, Bolt's like a white dog, white, a white shepherd yeah. dog, and then Bolt's brown. So the emotions, like, actually, my kid, like, perked up. And, like, we're we're pretty cautious about the movies we watch in front of him. Like, we did, like, we also watched her in the same sitting. I'm like, we cannot watch this in front of him. Even, like, just, I don't want him even hearing What's going on? Oh, you just turn around and Henry's got the iPad. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> he, when uh, it was when boy <laughs> saves Joel from the frog, he literally, he just started yeah. laughing because he's like, bull. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so like, yeah, oh, I like, watched it with my six year old and he loved it. it he was, was just, like, I could do without it's like the one kisses. of those emotional. <laughs> yeah. But like you assign that emotion and that kind of thing to these kinds of animals. And then, yeah, when and then boy comes back. Like I love that boy came back to save the day. That's the thing that it was just like, oh, dude, the cheering oh. in my house when he came back. But this is the thing too, because so the the lessons Joel learned aren't littered with corpses, right? Watching someone get no. mangled. So he watches no. his two friends walk away, and he has to start. I left one family, right, for love. Mm -hmm. Now I've met this other group of people who I really love and cherish, right? Like these really fast and strong bonds that this situation would create. And choosing to leave them is a similar emotional arc to a death, right? He might not ever see them again. You just don't have to be vicious and bloody, right? right. There, There is little bits of sadness steeped throughout that, right? Uh, when he screams at dog and I was like, you fucking prick. Yeah. His dog jumps in for the dress again. I was like, they're just flexing all over us. And when he yells at dog, you're like, you fucking piece of shit. You're like, I don't care if you get eaten now. Like, that's how mad you are in the moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, and even the Mavis, the Mavis scene fucking crushed me. Oh, the yeah, Mavis dude. crushed me. And it's such a cool because the way they shoot it, too. Right. So he he hears the Mavis. He's just killed a monster. He's yeah. like, we're monster hunters. You know, boy, uh, the scene when he saves bear you're, or boy, you're just fucking. Oh, my God. It's so fucking. Yeah. I mean, it is an orgasmic release of joy. Right. <laughs> So right. then when they, they find Mavis, you're like, I'm still waiting for that apocalypse movie turn. And the way they shoot it is he goes in. He's like, what is that? It's a Mavis. And they shoot boy like through the door, right? Like it's a Stephen King novella. There's rain outside and shit. And he's on like, <laughs> yeah, I'm there's this like in. weird Cujo moment. You're like, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, the robots are the monsters in the title. <laughs> oh, God. And then it's just this super fucking sweet. Like, I think this is romantic. I want to help you reach her. Oh, and then. When the robot just asks to go outside yeah. to, like, see fresh air. I was like, what the fuck? But when she pulls up the photo and Joel gets a moment to see his mom's face and his dad's face for the first time since it all went haywire. 
and he just Oof. talks to her yeah. and hugs Mavis. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Ugh. Like the fact, and this is the thing that's so the best movies that do this right is they take a genre, right? So they give you those kind of bigger robot monster, those kind of things that are easy to digest in movies, right? Because mm-hmm. let's imagine this just a high school movie, right? And that's just a guidance counselor. Like I have a yearbook picture of your mom. Eh, all right. But in this, you know, they use the genre to give it such an interesting and personal lens, right? That that Mavis becomes imbued with the mom. It, That's what this movie does so well, right? It uses the genre not as like, oh, this is going to tell us exactly where yeah. we have to go. But it uses it to make a more interesting beat that we've experienced yeah. a thousand times. Well, I think that's the best part is the dial gets turned the opposite direction to emotion, to like the emotion to like the more like the brighter side of the emotion like i think that's like the mavis thing reminds me of bits from other like it reminds me like the mavis bit reminds me of two moments in movies that i'm like oh fuck like i cried during those which was most more recent one was when hero uh in big hero six when when baymax shows um hero's brother and then the other one, which might be a little more obscure, and I'm not sure, like, if everyone... Have you ever seen the movie Star Kid? Yeah. When he's inside the robot and he shows him the video of his mom. Like, I, it's not a particularly, like, not my favorite movie, but I fucking cry every time I see that scene. Because it's just, like, one of those really emotional beats. But it's the same vibe, and it's exactly what I want from a movie like this. Because you are on this, like, really harrowing journey, and you realize, though, that the thing they're doing that's so much smarter than a lot of other post-apocalypse movies is instead of making the external, the external damage so much worse is it's, it's about the emotional toll. It's about the emotional toll that the cumulatively can take on you. So for him to have that reprieve is so much, so much more refreshing than I think I was ever expecting. I honestly, I agree with you 100%. I honestly expected the Mavis to try to murder him. I was like, here well, we like fucking go. The way go. they shot Bear through that, or uh, I keep it's saying Bear, that's my dog's how they name. Did but, but I was just like, oh, here it comes, those motherfuckers. <laughs> I was like, something horrible. Like, I just knew it. I yeah, knew it was going to Absolutely. And, but see, and this is the thing. I, I'm not here to say that other post-apocalyptic movies aren't clever no, not or at insightful all. or good. I love, post-apocalypse is one of my, like, go-to happy place genres, right? I love that shit. But there is a point where when it becomes about, the body count right when you see someone get mauled and eaten by a creature and oh we gotta run away you know our uh giant monster city's blowing up right when there's so much carnage and physical pain and agony everywhere yeah it is very different way of examining the human condition than what this movie talks about this comes from like the other movie is just how much pain and loss and suffering can you stand this is showing us why we can do that Right. Is because we're going from these bits of light and that without those lights. Right. And this big swirling maelstrom, we just fucking sink and die. And so many post-apocalypse movies just wait. Like I I am legend comes to mind. Right. The scene where Will Smith has to just fucking murder his own dog. You're like, God damn it. Did I really need that moment? Yeah. Right. Like, I get it. This life sucks. He's already lost so much. Yeah. Why do you have to just kill a fucking dog? Like, you know. In, some, in those movies, they usually play it as we have to strip every fucking last thing. Right. And to me, in this movie, just the scene of him losing his parents and when we see why he freezes, mm-hmm. you're like, that's enough for me, man. I yeah. get that there is loss because they paint it 
by constantly showing him happy and surrounded by decent people that he cherishes, the losses are constant in there. Yeah. But I can understand why he has the fortitude to keep going against these odds. Right. I mean, it's it, this is weird. Like, it's kind of inspiring, actually. Like, I don't know how else to put but it. That's like, what I mean. You never would come out from an apocalypse movie and be like, ah, oh, very, very inspirational tone yeah, in that. I, that's Mad like the Max weird film. thing is like, I, wa- I finished, we finished the movie and I turned to Andrea. I was like, it's kind of uplifting, wasn't it? That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, you're roused, you're cheering and happy, and, like, I mean, it just rarely has, like, so one of the scenes that gets that point home, right, is when he's all drugged out from the slugs. Mm -hmm. And as he sees survivors coming, he's like, if you find the best dog in the world, uh, that's boy, take care of him. I yelled at, like, he's, in his last breath, he's so sorry for what he did to that dog, right? Because that's the thing that meant the most to him. He's not worried about the loss of his own life or that he's worried about that. He was mean to his friend dog. And that that's the shit that just is beautiful. Now the ending falls a little more into cliche. Yes. Cause you gotta have this. I I don't mean to say that as a slight, right? No, but it it follows the works really well. It works really well because everything's been so non-traditional to that point. It still feels very fresh. Like, and again, I, I like the like Rooker does in the like when he says you know there's you got to look him in the eye like that's the thing about the monsters is like not oh, all of man, them are hostile yeah. you know and like that's that is like the thing that I that's the thing I like the most about this movie is again like when is the last time we've all sat there and like maybe the Kong movies but like I've never watched any of the Godzilla movies and been like ah oh, yes there's the subtle moment where they look him in the eye and go yes I know like there's just oh, all the time, dude. Godzilla's always got that wry eye. Wink, <laughs> wink. Wait, oh no, it no, happened wink. in King of the Monsters. Except for it? Shin Godzilla, he's got those fucking demon Google eyes. Yeah, very bad. <laughs> but well, yeah, you're right. No, I guess it happens in King of the Monsters, doesn't it? Never mind. Forget what I said. But either way, Godzilla went through a phase where he was the protect. I mean, he wasn't Gamera, the protector of Earth's children, but right. You know, but yeah, like, that's like the, the that's the thing I like is so because you have this guy Cap who's basically using that crab monster is i don't know like a, an uber well, that that is the one thing that happens in the movie when you see cap and uh his henchmen yeah you're like yeah she built a mega man arm like for sure these guys are bad yeah, these guys are <laughs> like- pieces of shit but like yeah so he's using this like crab monster as an uber and it's not necessarily like <laughs> like it's not necessarily normally you just get crabs from an uber what an inversion <laughs> Yeah, it's not necessarily like the most original One star. thing, but it also works really well because it is like it the cliche works so well against type for the rest of the movie because there's the guy who's like the real monster. He's like using a monster against itself so on and so forth. We've seen that before, but then when we get to actually like watch it happen, like I love I love that whole sequence where they're like the crab monster shows up it's to like eat them. Awesome. It's so good. Like what a great piece of I mean, piece it's just, of action. But I was just watching and you're like, as a guy who writes scripts and fancies like, you know, filmmaking someday, I was just like, if I ever wrote something this fucking cool, I would attempt to do a backflip. And with my bulbous body, that would just mean traction. Like that's how excited <laughs> I would be. Because I would send myself because I was just watching, I'm like, this is just an absolute standing ovation to yeah. how fucking cool this movie's been. 
and when Boy comes back and, oh. and him freeing the crab, uh, seeing seeing uh, Amy just bust out like, oh, she's actually like the badass survivor. Yeah, we finally get to see Jessica Henwick do something cool besides be besides being an Iron Fist. Yes. <laughs> Thank God she got the stake of that off of her. Right, the Chumbler got her sent and ate Iron Fist out of my memory. <laughs> but. <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, because this is the thing, though, right? But the movie plays as here's a character kind of doing the zag, right? Walking through, you know, in an optimistic way, building up more things to love rather than just losing everything. So that he's almost prepared to enter the movie as a normal post-apocalypse character now. Right. So the last 30 minutes is like now we've seen this, this, you know, heroic apocalypse character now get put into the apocalypse movie. Um, I mean, they have some really good moments before that, though. Like, when he finds out, because I love that they don't do that. They just hug and kiss and everything's yeah. great. I love I that. like that they stop and she's like, hey, man, I've had my own shit. Like, you've been writing letters to the me from that car when the rockets went up, right? Mm-hmm. I've had a lifetime worth of shit happen, and I've fallen in love and lost, and it hurts, and I've got responsibilities, man. Everyone here is old. So that like moment of realization and he doesn't lose his cool. He just goes, I didn't even think to ask you. And we get this moment where she was this holy grail in his mind and he never stopped to piece all this together. Yeah. But it's, it's done in a really tender way. Right. I just, I thought that beat was fantastic, but when he pulls out the map that ripped my guts out, ripped my fucking guts out that his friends who you thought were condescending to him and didn't really care about him that much those notes they wrote to him and then he calls him on the radio in the fucking pure joy and excitement and they're not like oh you're right okay they're just so stoked yeah i think to that's, hear from their buddy it's the best i just i like that everybody in this i don't know the, everybody in this movie is like fist pumping <laughs> for the next person like throughout the entire movie yeah. it's like Again, it's sure. like, a, and I'm hoping a, the listeners aren't tired of hearing us just be like, "That was awesome." I feel like we're the Chris Farley sketch. Hey, remember when this happened? That was awesome. Yeah, but I mean, I felt like Chris Farley from that sketch. Yeah, watching I felt this like movie. Chris Farley the entire movie. And then I, I even like, again, it's not like at the end of the movie they don't just like end up together. Like it becomes his yep. journey. It's him and Boy setting out on the next journey. Like it's a great setup for a sequel for one. But also just like Oh, I fucking hope so. I like, absolutely hope I, so. I will watch I will watch ten more of these. Like honestly, they're just so sure. it's so entertaining. Like the world's so rich. It's so wonderful to watch. But I like that it doesn't just end on this note of like, well, they're in love now and now they can face everything together. It's you literally about though? a guy discovering his inner hero, man. Yeah, well he learns to love himself. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of the theme we've been talking about with a lot of our movies we've been watching lately. But the thing I like, because my wife said that too, she's like, man, I just feel like if that happens, she should be head over heels for that guy. And in my mind, I was like, she she is. What happened is, is she met met a guy, she talked to him when she was drunk, right? Like he was the little boy she used to date. In that last scene, she's fallen in love with the new man. The same way he fell in love with himself. Like she's, I think she's in love with him, but not because of some, oh, we were committed to each other before. She she saw his content. She saw his heart and what he has become on this journey, right? Yep. And she re-fell in love for the first time with this new man who's capable of going back and saving his friend. 
I thought him going back and bringing his friends out was great. I, I get the end where, like, it's a little saccharine that he plays a tape that, you know, brings humanity together and this and that. But but honestly, that's how you kind of have to end this movie, right? Like, everyone he meets, he's inspiring. And at the start of the movie, they're like, you're good for nothing. You make the, the minestrone and milk the cow. <laughs> right. By the end, what you realize is that his his ability to continue to love and have hope, that is a superpower in the apocalypse, right? So the thought of him walking away from her while sad in the moment, I think is brilliant. Yeah. Because it would be false of him to go through this whole journey and then say, fuck those people that wrote their wrote on that map for me. Yeah. It's, it's just a really uplifting movie about the end of the world. <laughs> and it's just fucking cool, it's right? Fucking like you get cool, the Chekhov's man. grenade with the queen, the, the frog was getting, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so just kick fucking, ass. it's just, it's, it's one of those movies where you're just like, God, like, not only does it just work on every technical storytelling merit, right? It's an amazing hero's journey. The actors are phenomenal. It's beautifully shot. All the effects work. All the set pieces are fun. The best dog maybe ever in a movie, like probably oh, top five none. already. I'd have to do a list. Uh, it's just, but it's just. Lassie can fucking suck just, it. I mean, I agree. Fuck Lassie. I mean, why don't you keep him out of that well, Lassie, yeah, in the first stupid place? You bitch. fucking asshole dog. Yeah, too busy licking your fucking luxurious mane. Anywho, but you know, I have issues with Lassie. We'll do that some other day. But but uh, it's just one of those, I don't know. And we talk about this on the show, the alchemy. Sometimes something's just so much more than the sum of its parts. And this movie has fucking phenomenal parts. Yeah. And it just, it comes together and it's just fucking magic. Like from start to finish, this movie is just fucking the best kind of white magic. Just joyous, pure light yeah. magic, right? I would, anybody who needs an uplifting movie right now, and God knows we all do, just fucking rent this movie and let the awesomeness just wash over you. You like monsters, you like yeah. love, you like boys and their dogs, you all like all kinds of stuff like that. It's all in this movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. It's just, it's the story yeah. you need to watch. It's the story you need to witness right now. <laughs> and sometimes movies like this, right? Like, you know, the notebook or whatever, these classic romantic movies, there are sometimes things that just keep me from all the way wanting to do that. And this one says, Hey, cynical guy over there. I know you like kaiju movies and you like monsters and post-apocalypse. Come on over. This is your, uh, your, your well-tread movie going place. Yeah. And then they just shoehorn in this unbelievable fucking romance. Uh, you got to love it. Man. I don't know. I, I I honestly, I feel bad like I wasn't saying anything other than that this movie's awesome. But I really think that's all you need to hear. I think that's... this movie. I mean, truly, I was crying and laughing, like literally laughing out loud. I know a lot of us are like, oh, it's funny. But you don't laugh up like, you know, I don't watch some great comedy sometimes. Just, oh, <laughs> I'm like, like, I was. It was crying and laughing, and I cheered. I jumped off my couch cheering at Boy's triumphant return. I mean, it. I don't know. I, I think that shit is insane. Like, I was telling uh, my wife, I think it's crazy that we don't appreciate that music is dark magic, right? Yeah. So I was like, have you ever been in a bar and Bohemian Rhapsody comes on? And every Everybody motherfucker in that bar stops and joins in and sings and headbangs. And I was like, that is mass hypnosis. That is dark wizard shit. And I don't approve. It makes me scared, right? 
this movie did that it, it took control of my soul and mind and body i don't know i i thought it was exactly what i needed uh Agreed. so yeah guys that's it for love and monsters uh way more love than monsters and this movie has a lot of monsters so go find it pay the money you will not be sorry uh we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did uh we'll be back thursday with our our normal uh inhuman love interspecies erotica month uh for the month of amour uh so yeah stay tuned for that please leave us rating and review wherever you find the show please subscribe to our youtube channel film alchemist find us on all the social media you're on and email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com uh for the film alchemist i'm josh griffey i am alex tandino 